0: Apple presents events at the Apple Store.
1: Let's take a look at a trailer for Upside Down. solar system with two twin planets, each with its own and opposite gravity. Now in our world, it's possible to fall up and to rise down. Three thieves from down below arrested last week, raising interworld tensions. We don't go down to their
0: world, and we certainly don't want them coming up to ours.
1: We observe a full separation between worlds. Hey. There's to be no contact with those up top. Imagine if we could go anywhere we wanted to.
0: Water please. Come on, come on, come on. Quick, Adam! Aiden! No! No! Please, no! Contact her again, and it will cost you your life.
1: I need your help. These weights will hold you down in that world. Take them off when you want to come back.
0: Eat it! I can't believe it. Everybody, up against the wall. I gotta go. No. I'll find you. Stop him!
2: a massive
1: manhunt for the fugitive you're gonna go out there and you're gonna get yourself killed if i could just give my life some kind of hope then i'm gonna do it gravity they say you can't fight it well i disagree
0: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator from IndieWire, Nigel Smith, and tonight's guests, Juan Salinas and Jim Sturgis. Hello. Welcome, guys. Thanks for being here today. Thank you. So why don't we start at the uh, beginning, Juan, because I read that this film was inspired by a dream you had or one specific image in a dream that you had. Why don't you tell the people here exactly what that dream was and how uh, it came to become Upside Down?
2: Okay. Um it's not it wasn't a dream. Um basically time to time often uh, I see image not being under drugs or under alcohol. Just just I see image and um just happen and this time was I don't know 10 11 o'clock in the morning and like I'm, I don't know how to put it in words but uh, I just start to watch not the reality because my eyes are open but I start to watch an image and um, it's weird because it's myself Juan watching an image that myself are generate the image so it's very it's like there is two persons I don't know so I watched this image and this image was the two mountains that maybe we, s- we see it on the trailer it was in the trailer yeah so basically I see one mountain with a guy looking up and on the other mountain, upside down, the girl look at the, look at the at the guy, and uh, still watching this virtual image. And I I understood uh, basically the story that's a love story, a complicated one. Uh, but I knew that um, I want this very complicated love to happen in a way. And uh, the other thing that I understood right away, it's. Uh, with this double gravity was a very interesting device to speak about our world, or complicated war. so. How did class
0: warfare play into the development of this script? Because it plays such a large part in what you know keeps them apart. It's not just the gravity, but it's the fact that Jim's character comes from the lower class and um, Kristen's character comes from the higher class. When did that come into play when developing
2: the script? Since the beginning, again, I am from Argentina <laughs> so I am a guy who live upside down in Paris, um, and uh, I am for the third world. So I mean, I, I, all that is part of my reality. I mean, I, I left Argentina because the military strike, and if we don't left, we get killed. So I mean, all that for me is my reality. So that's why when I saw this image, I understood the, the love between these two guys, but at the same time, I understood that. Because of the idea, I could speak about, about all that in, in, in our reality. But in a poetical way and in, in a free way, means the audience can take pieces, whatever they want. I, I, I love um, stories with layers, and um, especially give, give, give to the audience the, the freedom to, to take pieces and, and, and then think about and, and take their own conclusions.
0: Jim, you're no, uh, sorry, you're no stranger of CGI-enhanced films, having worked on Cloud Atlas and across um, the universe. What specifically appealed to you about this project? Was it the story, or was it the chance to you know, see yourself in a completely different world when it was all finished?
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, it was, it was a bit of both, actually. <clears throat> it was kind of a reaction to a film that I'd just done. i just shot a film called The Way Back, which was kind of all set in a kind of grueling outdoors. We were kind of um, playing characters who were trekking across the wilderness. You know, so after I'd finished that film, I was really looking for something completely different, you know. So I started reading a few more scripts, and then one script kind of came to me, and, and instantly, you know, there was just like, this just seems totally bizarre and crazy and interesting, but I couldn't really get a grasp of what the world was that he was trying to make. You know, I didn't know if it was this futuristic sci- sci-fi world or... kind of what it was really so it wasn't until Juan sent me some sort of graphic designs he sent me this whole book of all these amazing graphic designs of of the kind of style and the visual sort of world that he wanted to kind of portray so once I saw that I was like wow this could be really really interesting really exciting it looked really beautiful it looked looked CGI in a way that felt artistic as well you know it felt like a like a painting you know so, that yeah, once I saw the sort of visual world that he was trying to create, then I knew that it would be a dream to kind of put myself in that world, you know. But I hadn't really done that much. I mean, there was a tiny bit of kind of CGI stuff in across the universe, but I really felt like I hadn't done a film, a fantasy film at all. So, you know, when this came along, that like Juan said, had, had layers and had some sort of really intricately and subtly put, ideas of the world that we kind of live in in this great fantasy fairy tale and it almost felt like a fairy tale that i should have been told as a kid you know it felt classic like a classic fairy tale but it it was totally unique and and never been told before you know even though it was you know it it is a classic love story in in the same vein as romeo and juliet or west side story but just in this whole incredible kind of artistic sort of landscape that Juan had dream, dreamed up on drugs
0: <laughs> um, So let's give everybody here a chance to view this uh, artistic landscape by uh, showing a, a first scene from the film Kristen infamous upside down
1: kiss. Uh, she's good at that.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I wasn't gonna go down this route, but I can't help myself. Can we talk about the Spider-Man connection? Just given the fact that you know she was in the three first Spider-Man films, and that you initially were uh, supposed to be part of the uh, the Broadway show, if I'm not mistaken. Um, did you two ever have a, a laugh
1: about that, or? Uh, no, I can't remember if I. Yeah, I'd done done some workshops for Julie Taymor's Broadway thing, but I was was never going to be involved in the actual end production. Oh, okay. I kind of went along. I mean, Julie's a friend of mine, and she obviously directed uh, the first film that I did, which was Across the Universe, and Evan Rachel Wood was also involved in the workshops. So I really just kind of went just to hang out and... You know, hang out with Bono and Edge from U2 and, you know, make up songs about Spider-Man. Seems like a pretty fun two weeks here in New York. So, so that was really all I kind of did. And I, and I never really had any intentions to sort of take that any further, you know. I don't know if I fancy... I'd, I had some experience hanging on wires for like two months, but I don't know if I could do it for a year on Broadway, you know. So
0: how many months did you actually spend, you know, hanging on wires making this film?
1: uh we did sort of there was about when we got there for the rehearsal period there was probably about a month of just sort of doing rehearsal I mean, it wasn't a month's wire training but within that month we did a lot of kind of practicing on the wires <coughs> sorry my voice is gone but um yeah so i'd say that the month running up to the sort of uh, the build-up to the film we did a lot of wire training and hanging upside down and they kind of gave me this device that they left me in my dressing room, which was this contraption where you just basically strap yourself in and then flip yourself upside down just to kind of let me practice what it's like to sort of be hanging upside down for that period of time. Because the first time I tried it, I probably lasted about 30 seconds before I threw up my lunch in my mouth, you know. And then, um, but then after a while, I, you know, I could sort of hang upside down for sort of 10 minutes or so, you know.
0: You do a lot more hanging than, than Kristen in the movie. Yeah, You're always no. visiting her, uh, her
2: orbit.
1: Yeah, there's one scene where I go and visit uh, Tim Spall's character who plays Bob... How do you pronounce his second name?
2: Boruchovic. Boruchovic. <laughs>
1: um, and, and I had to do the entire scene strapped to the kind of ceiling, hanging upside down. You know, it's not easy to look kind of relaxed and sort of yeah. play out <laughs> an entire scene and do all the dialogue and everything when you're actually hanging upside down. Yeah.
0: Well, you made it look easy, I gotta say. If you watch it again, you'll
1: know which scene I'm talking
0: about. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so, Juan, I want to
0: know, were any special effects invented for the making of this film? Because, I mean, the visual feats you accomplish are pretty remarkable. I felt like I was watching something I've never seen before in many of the, the
2: scenes. Uh, well, the technology to do the movie was invented for the movie. I mean, by that, uh, when I have the idea, I, I really want um, to make it organic. You know, to make believe that this world... It's real because I want uh, to have as much as possible humanity on the movie. The danger is to have a post-production, full post-production, synthetic look, and I hate that. So we shoot in anamorphic, cinemascope, anamorphic, means with a very big lens with a lot of defect, beautiful defect, not digital. And um, basically I I want to shoot... the. the movie, the scenes, in direct, in live. means Jim talking with Boruchovic, for example, in, in, the, in the zero floor, in the, what do you say? Bureau? Um, Transwall, yeah. Um, they speak together f- in real time. And we should both, with my invention, was to um, have a normal camera operated by a guy in a dolly, pushing by a grip that I can stress, say, speed, stop, whatever I want, like in normal life in cinema. Then encode all that in real time, sending that to a little computer. This computer makes a little operation and sends this data to a robot. This robot makes the same movement on the other part of the set, the, the reverse set. So basically, when we push the dolly, the robot moves at the same time, exactly. So it's two cameras for making one camera in real time. So Jim and Boruchovic or Kirsten can speak together, acting, reacting, whatever, and I can torture them by saying at the very last moment something that he don't expect. <laughs> so, to, to, again, it's to have as much as possible live. Live accident, something happened, and uh, for framing, we re- we recover the other camera in direct, so we can put together the two half image for making the last f- final image. So I can really frame. Frame means uh, I want to come here in a weird way because I like it, and because just Jimmy saying something in a timing that is not the timing of the another take. This is life, and if you do in a normal way if a programmation and repeating the same movement, you don't feel, you don't frame, you don't take care of actors. So that's why we invent this uh, technology that I name it Master Slave, because I, I, I love technology if it's here to, to help, uh, to create, and not the contrary. Not to be slaved by technology that happens a lot. So here we have the guy pushing. If you do it bad, well, it's an accident, and accidents are interesting too, so. So how long was the post-production
0: on this film? I imagine it must have Mm. been pretty intense.
2: Mm. (laughs) Two years. Two long years years of my life. Wow. Fighting pixel by pixel. (laughs) Really. Believe me. (laughs) Well, it
0: paid off. Um, Now, Jim, I have to ask, what was it like when you first saw the film and when did you first see it?
1: Uh, I first saw it in its entirety, not that long ago, actually, just a few weeks ago back in Los Angeles, but in in a screening room. So I'm looking forward to seeing it, you know, in a cinema with an audience, you know, which always makes a huge difference, you know, when you watch it with other people and get their kind of energy. So, yeah, I mean, it... Like I said, I mean, Juan sort of sent me these graphic designs of what he hoped to achieve with the film, and then when I actually watched the film, it just exceeded all expectations. I mean, it was even more beautiful when it was all put together and sewn together with the music, and, you know, I was really blown away by what he managed to achieve.
0: And we have another scene from the film. Okay. Today we have someone joining us for the first time. Hello, Eden. Hi. Hi. Hi.
1: I'm um, Eden, Eden Moore. Um, I had an accident when I was a teenager. Uh, everything before that is gone. Sometimes things come back to me in dreams, but I'm never sure if they're real or if I'm making them up.
0: <laughs> it's frustrating. You know, I, I
1: know that whatever's missing, it's in there. me. Um, Mostly, it just feels like something's missing.
0: Great, and now we're going to open it up to the audience. I'm sure lots of you have many questions for the folks up here, so if you have a question, please just raise your hand and somebody will come along with a mic.
1: Hello. Um, It seems like a lot of filmmakers, actors are being somehow drawn to make these non-duality enlightenment movies. How aware are you of your own uh, the universe moving you to do these things because there's a lot of symbology, a lot of deep stuff in these films uh, for me, not so conscious at all you know uh, I mean with this movie it was just it was to me it just felt like a real fantasy fairy tale and I guess you know I guess there's consciousness in it, but it's mainly subconscious you know you're just kind of, you're just you like the ideas within the film and you 're excited about what the film can say and you're excited about the experience that you might have and I was excited about working with Juan and Kirsten and, and that was kind of that was kind of enough to sort of make me want to do the film uh, I think with Cloud Atlas you know I was I was very aware of the sort of big themes within that film and, and what that was hoping to achieve as a piece of cinema you know so I, I but I mean you know I wasn't so conscious that you know my place within that world you know and, and what that says you know one.
2: Yeah. Uh, my English is very bad, and I don't get 100% of your question, so I'm going to answer, but maybe I don't answer exactly what you ask. Um, Adam and Eden, I was conscious. Um, the way I write, I'm searching for deep impulsions. So, when they came, they came, and I as the image, I watch it, and because they came from deep, I know there is there are really charged about sense. And then I put my logic to add layers of sense to this sense. So yeah, there is a lot, a lot of layers, and I will say 98% I am aware about. Um, I will add that uh, I am not interested about making movies if it's not to speak about reality. I think we, we, we live in a very special, complicated moment and um, maybe we need to s- make big change. So every time I try to, with a little piece of sand of myself, <laughs> to contribute to do something about our reality, in this t- in this time, in a very poetical, metaphoric way. But yeah, there is a lot of sense, most of them conscious.
1: Um, hi. Well, it's going to be hard to follow a question like that. But... Um, I was wondering, in both acting and making the film, if there was ever a point where sort of the physics and the science of these alternate realities became very confusing and almost overwhelming, or was it more of like a, a chance to do anything and as, like create an entire new universe with your own set of rules and you didn't really have to delve into the physics too much?
0: Should we talk about the physics of the film? Because Just to explain it for the audience, I know there are certain rules that, you know, yeah, yeah,
2: oh, uh, yeah, uh, but first of all, look, I, when I was 15, I want to be an astrophysician, so I, I know very well about physics, actually, so I can tell you this is a metaphor. So <laughs> forget about reality, please, because nothing of this is uh, it's, uh, it's real. But it's funny, because I'm um, I, I, I still um, reading scientific reviews, and we start to speak about anti-gravity, so it's it's a, it's a funny turn of events. No, I mean the, uh, uh, again, it's a fairy tale. So in this particular and un- inventive universe, I put three rules of double gravity that we need just to take it to understand the the pseudo reality of the movie. Um, one rule: we have a double gravity. What's mean double gravity? Means every piece of material, every atom of one wall is attracted by the gravity of this wall, never by the other. When you go to the moon, you are attracted by the gravity of the moon. In in all worlds, that's never gonna happen. You're never gonna be attracted by the gravity of the moon. You've all the time been attracted by the gravity of the Earth. Here no, so Kirsten atom are attracted by his wall all the time, whatever whatever happened. And Jim's atom is going to be attracted by his gravity. So, um, it's a metaphor of human condition, too, by the way. So, the the second law is... Oh, that's interesting, because if I put one kilo of gravity A and I attach this kilo of gravity A with a kilo of gravity B, well, that's zero, because one plus minus one equals zero. So, you can... Annulate gravity, or you can offset gravity. You have something that is 100 kilos, and you put 90 kilos of the other. At the end, you have 10 kilos to support. Interesting. So, uh, gym character gonna play with that, with this uh, this thing. But the third rule that complicate this little uh, system is, unfortunately, um, material from A. In contact with material from big gravity, together heat until the point of burn, like in a metaphoric uh well, whatever. So, so <laughs> no, I don't want to go in real physics. <laughs> so so that's complicate Jim uh, what Jim wants to do to change gravity, and that's complicate uh, the you know the the, the cohabitation of, of these two worlds.
0: Okay, let me start by saying my question is even less deep. And by commending your film, it sounds super inventive, and I really look forward to seeing it. But my question is for Jim. I'm a huge fan since your first film, but I've noticed that you haven't really done much singing. So I'm just curious as to whether that was a one time thing. I personally think you were great. But, or do you see yourself, are you open to the idea of ever going on Broadway since you're such good friends with Julie or just another musical?
1: Yeah, singing. Oh, right. Yeah, I mean, I still play a lot of music. I'm still involved in a lot of music back home in London. And I write music with a lot of my friends. A I'm trip. a fan. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it was, a, it was a kind of one-time experience to sort of combine, you know, music and film in such an amazing sort of inventive film as across the universe. And it's hard for me to kind of talk. I mean, I don't know if I would ever do it on the Broadway stage. You know, I'm, I'm not such a fan of musical theater. Really, you know, I I like music and I like theater, but when the two combine, it's never quite, you know, I think rock and roll music should stay in rock and roll stages, you know, without a dancing background. But, uh, you know, yeah, I still work on music a lot. It's still a big part of my life. So uh, I don't know, you know, I don't know. But yeah, it's, I mean... It's hard after doing it across the universe because I feel like the Beatles write the best music in the world. So it's hard to sort of, who, who can you, what other musical could you do that would top a Beatles musical, you know? Uh, this question goes to both uh, Juan and Jim. Um, how did you start off in Hollywood as an actor and a filmmaker? And what advice would you give to anybody who wanted to go into film or acting? Uh, had it, I guess I started with the film Across the Universe. You know, I was just basically a kid hanging around in London, playing in a band. I'd done some. I had some experience with acting. I'd done some theatre and some independent films. I loved you in that movie. Thank you. Um, so really, that was the kind of opening door for me to kind of. And I didn't even realize that it was a big, um, a big movie. You know, I, I didn't even realize it was a Hollywood movie when I turned up to the audition. And I actually thought it was a really bad idea to make a musical of the Beatles, but I I thought I'd go along anyway. Um, and then I slowly realised as I went through the sort of audition process that it was actually a sort of proper film. You know, I just thought it was a small independent English film about the Beatles. You know, um, so that really opened a kind of door for me to kind of work in America and be seen in America. And uh, so then I did a film called Twenty One after that, and that kind of you know moved it along but then I, I you know I'm I wasn't only just interested in Hollywood films really so after after making 21 I sort of looked back into the sort of films that I really liked to watch and got the opportunity to make some other kinds of films so I went back to England and I made some sort of British independent cinema and And I've I've tried to sort of move around both arenas, you know, to try and work in England and make independent films in England and America and then more kind of Hollywood films and, you know, just try and move around as much as possible. Um, The advice I can give is hard because everybody has their own journey and their own path into getting involved in whatever they want to do. There's no kind of set rule or no set way of doing it. You know, I was really lucky that I was just working in music and acting at the time that Julie Taymor was looking for somebody like that so that I was really lucky to have been given that opportunity Um, but I guess you know you just have to be passionate I guess and just creative in your own way because i mean, I I actually got an agent from writing uh, my own play you know which I put on in a theater back back home in England so had I not done that I don't think I would be uh, working in acting at all you know I didn't even really know that I wanted to be an actor I was just doing stuff and just trying to be creative in music or theater or making short films and we were writing our own stuff and we were trying to put it on. And so, I, yeah, I ended up writing like a one-person show and I, and I put it on for two nights in a small theater in in Manchester in England and just luckily someone happened to see me in the crowd and uh, said, you know, you should really try and think about acting professionally. But had, had he not done that, I don't know what would have happened, you know. So it's hard to sort of give advice but other than just to have small goals and do it because you like doing it and for no other reason, I think. This question is for Juan. Um, I was just wondering when you have an image or a vision like you had for this film, do you usually sketch it out or do you keep it in your head? Are you an artist? Do you draw? Because the images are so elaborative that I just wonder how you'd even translate if you weren't an artist yourself.
2: Um, unfortunately, I am um, half paralyzed. I mean, I am. I draw like at tw- my 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 son, six years old, make better draw than me. But uh, I, I would like to be a painter. But very early, I make the constatation that it's never gonna happen. Uh, but uh, I use technology, so I um, I make previes. I use a software very easy. I put things together very easy and then I make a frame and it's pretty close of what I want so I can show you right very easy to people look, this is how I look two mountains with a guy and a, and especially this movie when I talk orally to the people about the movie I understand that they never understand what I'm speaking about it's too abstract so before the draw that you saw I make my 3D things and then I show to the guy look, this is the thing and then the guy make an incredible beautiful draw, and uh, I, I guess I, I give, a, a, how do you say, reference, like uh, Gaspard David Friedrich, a, a German painter, romantic, incredible, for the mountains, or whatever, so I try to explain, show reference, and my 3D.
0: Uh, for uh, Juan, you talked earlier about some of the technological challenges you faced in creating this and the cameras and the really big lenses you had to do. Can you kind of detail the challenges you've seen on a technological basis and what you had to do to overcome them?
2: Well, the challenge, concretely, imagine you have two half sets uh, with two cameras. One with a guy, a normal camera device, and a computer and a robot. <coughs> but you need that in real time. Real time means real time because if we have a, a delay, the camera, who the, the robot camera, if the robot camera react with few milliseconds too late, Jim gonna never gonna be in sync with Kirsten, that is in sync with the camera A. I mean, with the camera A move. If this one move late, how can I match the both image? And the robot have an inertia; he need to think the movement. So that was a very, that was my, um, because I have the idea of the technology, but my own, I, I knew it's feasible. And when we go to see the three biggest companies who did that, the three companies said the same thing. Hmm, very interesting, never done it, very challenging. But by very challenging, means the real time. Because we need to match both cameras together to make one camera, one movement at the same time. Same time means twen- 24 images by second, so basically we have a one40 of second to, to all the pipeline to think, to have the result and to do it within the same frame, movement. So that was the, the biggest challenge.
0: Wonderful, and that's everything. The film opens on March uh, 15th, correct? correct. Yeah, and it's playing at the Sunshine Cinema which is just down the street so be sure to check it out when it opens and thank you everybody for coming out. Oh, I can uh, add one
2: thing yep. to the woman who asked the question. When I have the idea all people told me it's insane. Forget it. Don't use your time. Don't write the script because it's never going to happen. You know, you're a shitty filmmaker from Argentina. It's never going to happen. I mean, I, uh, find the money. No, really, I find the money. It's never going to happen. And uh, it's not that I think I am a genius. Not at all. Just... I I believe in the idea, like a baby. I put love on the idea. And I I say to myself, well, let's see what happens. I don't know. I don't know. Let's see what happens. So just my advice, be yourself. And if something is going to happen, it's going to happen. I mean, and and if not, if not. But um, but the advice of the ones that know everything and give you, you know, the... Don't take it.
1: That's a great note to go out on. Thank you, Jim and Juan.